Hello swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week we chat to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. Our guest on the podcast this week is a triple crown open water marathon swimmer and she's known as Queen of Rottness with over 30 crossings. The inspirational Barbara Palick. Let's hear from Barbara now. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Danielle. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. What's the weather like in Western Australia today? Today is absolutely beautiful. It's about 24, 25 degrees, beautiful sunshine, nice cool breeze. It's a perfect autumn day. Oh, beautiful. We're we're suffering in Melbourne today. It's raining cold. <laughs> Feels like winter's come already. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a bit of rain forecast for tomorrow, so maybe autumn finishes today. Yes, we'll yes. See. <laughs> and have you managed to get a swim in yourself this week? Yeah, I haven't because I've just come back from Tasmania. for. I did a Derwent um, team in the Derwent and I just haven't really got back into it. I'm just taking it easy. Nothing really to train for now. So just, yeah, a bit of, bit of downtime. Just have a bit of play here and there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Did you swim the Derwent? Derwin? I thought you were in the boat crew. I did a team. I was a team of four. Oh, you did a team. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And it just turned out it was the first uh, team of four that's ever done it. So, you know, here here are we all, um, you know, getting on in our years, all with our orthopaedic surgeries, and we're still managing to do first. So, yeah, that's, you know, pretty exciting. So how far is the Derwent swim? Is it 32 or 34? 34K, yeah, Yeah. from New Norfolk to Tasman Bridge in Hobart. So, yeah, it's an interesting swim. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had the worst conditions, the coldest water all season, wind, rain. Swimming at night, I think we started at 2 o'clock in the morning, so pitch pitch black to start with and, you know, worst conditions, but I loved it. It's just up my alley. (laughs) How do you how do you deal with those dark dark uh, dark night starts dark water? Yeah, look, I've done some before. I, I, the um, Catalina Channel starts at midnight, so I've done some before, but that was different because there was a moon. Derwent, there was no moon, and it was dark because you you know you're in a river. Uh, there's no streetlights. There was no moon. It was black, black, black. Uh, the only light you really could see was from the boat um yeah look it was you had to put your mind out of out of where you were and out of out of the stress and just deal with what you're doing because you're you're there because you love it you're there because you want to do it so you just have to I don't know deal with that and accept it and yeah there's nothing that's going to bite you in in the river it's just you know it's just it's out of your comfort zone but that's why we do these things that's right. That's right. And how how often did you rotate with the swimmers? The rules for the swimmers, same as the English Channel swim. So it's uh, there was four of us. We had to swim for an hour, and we had to maintain our um, our our spot. So uh, yeah, same as the English Channel rules. And um, yeah, so you know, it's, you know, you're in there for an hour. It's only an hour, you know. We can manage that. 16 degree water. Yeah, it was good fun. Good fun. And then back on the boat. And when you're waiting for your next swim, are you, what are you eating and drinking? And how are you keeping warm in between your relay parts? It was quite cool because the air temperature was something like, you know, eight or nine degrees. So it was quite cool once we got out. I just rugged up everything that I had, I put on, you know, three beanies and, just rugged up because the wind, we couldn't get out of the wind. So that just made it a little bit harder to warm up. But I was fine. You know, by the time it's time to swim again, yeah, I was warmed up and, and ready to go. So the others found it hard because two of the swimmers were from um, North Queensland and the third swimmer was from Hawaii. So they found it particularly hard, as you can imagine. I'm lucky because I swim, you know, southern WA. So we do get those temperatures regularly. Um, yeah, they they found it a little bit harder. 
but they, you know, they soldiered on. They did their thing. That's good. That's good. And what did, what did you eat and drink in that time in between your relay legs? I I really didn't eat much at all. I, I had a couple of muesli bars, had a sports drink, but I didn't I didn't really feel the need that I had to eat or drink. The others had warm drinks like hot chocolate and things like that um, just to warm themselves up. But, yeah, I didn't really feel that I needed to eat or drink too much, so I just I just ate as I felt like. So I just sort of figured you don't normally eat and drink at night. So I wasn't doing a lot of work. I mean, it, it was only an hour. So, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of work. So I didn't need to be, you know, cramming food down my face. So I just, you know, had a muesli bar, sports drink for the whole, it took us seven hours, 46 minutes or something. And that's pretty much all I had the whole time. It was good. That's that sounds good. I'm glad that you you finished in the daylight at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as the sun was rising. Yeah, yeah. Well, we <laughs> yeah we finished sort of mid mid morning. So the finish was great. By then the sun was up, the wind had died down, the rain had stopped, <laughs> so we could enjoy that finish. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. And I know you just before you mentioned Catalina, and I want to talk about that. Obviously, you're a triple crown owner and also you've done Rotnest many 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 times is it 30 plus times that you've done Rotnest they call you queen of Rotnest I believe I've done 30 solos 30 yeah solos. I've done 30 solos 30 solos two teams two duos so that's amazing yeah. yeah so yeah yeah I first started in um I did my very first swim in 1992 and that right. was as a team that was the yeah. year after it started um I didn't hear about it the year before until after it had been run and I just decided that it sounded like a wonderful thing to do so I got a team together and the first one I did in a team and that was just um so much fun I had to go back the next year and I did it in a solo and that was my first one 1993 1994 because I got out of the solo in 1993 and said I reckon I could do a double so 1994 I did a double crossing of course, everyone didn't believe what I was saying, but, you know, I went out and did it. Um, and, yeah, I, I've swum, I, I managed to swim for 20 consecutive years and then I started having injuries. So it got a, the, you know, the history got a little bit, you know, off and on after that. But I got my 20 years of consistent swims in, which was pretty, pretty impressive, I thought. Yeah, that's an amazing achievement. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I've had to have a few, I've had a few injuries along the way since then, after the 20s. I wanted to keep going, but I, you know, I've got too many injuries. And so 30's it, and I'm happy with 30. I'm over the moon with 30. So, yeah, I'm, I've, I've put that to bed. Well, now that you've mentioned the injury, let's have a bit of a chat about it. What, what did you do to your shoulder and uh, what kind of surgery did you end up having? Okay, I've had a couple of surgeries. One which stopped me after my 20th. I had a um, ruptured biceps tendon and I had to have that repaired. Um, I was out of the water, uh, not completely out of the water, but I was out of proper training for about 12 months and it took me probably 18 months to get back. So I'd, I missed a, a rot nest. Um, but that's, yeah, that's that's healed completely. Um, but then not long after that, my other shoulder, I was having all sorts of problems. And, and you know, my 30th crossing, I pretty much limped through. I needed a shoulder, total shoulder replacement. So I had that done actually three years ago last week. So total shoulder replacement, yeah, it was pretty daunting. My surgeon wouldn't say whether I would ever be able to swim again, as as they don't. You know, they're, they're not going to give you something that is not going to happen. Um, but I've, you know, I, I am swimming really well, obviously not as well as I was beforehand, but I'm swimming really well and I, I don't get the pain that I was getting. Um, it's been a really, really successful operation for me. Um, I did a lot of rehab. I did everything that I was told to do. I was very good. I was very diligent. I behaved myself, which is quite unusual. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a good outcome. I can still swim. I can enjoy it. I can do these crazy things like Derwent. And 
you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm over the moon with with my outcome. I didn't. I'm better than I expected to be. So, you know, that's, yeah, that I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped. Um, I used to say that I trained to swim. Now I swim. I, I do these things because I swim. So my mindset has changed because I swim, because I love swimming, because I love training. I love pushing myself. I love all of that. And because I do that, I can do these swims. So my mindset has just changed a little bit. Instead of just being focused on on the next event, I'm just focused on enjoying swimming and and loving what I do. And, and you know, I'm still doing pretty, you know, amazing things like the Derwent. So, you know, it hasn't stopped me. Absolutely. Do you have a, a bit of a ceiling on the amount of Ks you can train a week before your shoulder tips over? Yeah. Um, no, I've definitely got a ceiling. I... I, I, look, I haven't got a, a, an actual kilometerage that I can do, but I have to be really careful about backing up day after day after day. I can swim hard one day and have a day off or go to the gym or, you know, not swim, and then I can swim the next day, but I can't do back-to-back hard sessions and I need to have time off. So I generally swim, I only swim four days a week now, um, and, you know, I do gym work in between. So, yeah, and I keep myself busy. Um, you know, I'm doing enough. I, I can do up to about, I, I do up to about 5K session in, in that, in those um, training sessions. I get up to about 5K, but I don't, and I can't do them as hard as I used to. So that, that's all. I'm still keeping myself ticking over. I'm still still able to do all these things. I did the duo to rot nest and, you know, I, I can still do these things. I just have to be a little bit more mindful, a little bit more aware of what my body's telling me. You mentioned the rehab that you did. Do you still now use those kind of um, exercises as like a pre a prehab before you swim? Yeah, I, that's one thing I've definitely noticed. I can't just jump in and swim now. I have to, like, when I'm coaching on pool deck and, and I'm going to swim after my squad, while I'm coaching, I'm moving my shoulder. I'm doing some bad work. I'm, you know, I use the time to just just get it moving. Um, and then once my squad's finished, I can jump in and I'm, you know, pretty much ready to go. I always do a fairly long warm up now. I always put my fins on. I always do at least, I don't know, at least 500, 800 meters now as a warm up with fins, just to keep it, just so that it's moving and it's free and it's ready to go once once I've got the warm up done. But yeah, I, I spend all that time pool deck moving it so that I'm I'm ready to go when I jump in. And do most of your training sessions revolve around freestyle, or do you do other strokes to give your shoulder a rest? I'm I'm because of my shoulder, I can't do backstroke. I can do backstroke one arm. Um, I, I've not even tried butterfly. I think that's just you know I think that's just a bridge too far now. But when I was young, when I was growing up, I was a breaststroker. So I do breaststroke as part of my swimming now, which I never used to do. But, um, yeah, it's just giving me a bit of variety. You know, I can work hard. When I, was, when I actually came back from my shoulder and initially, I couldn't do freestyle because I couldn't get the movement. So I started my coming back into the pool at effort doing breaststroke. So I used breaststroke as a way to sort of get fit because I could put the effort in because it hasn't got the overhead uh, recovery. So it was looking after my shoulder and it was helping me get fit. And breaststroke's really good for, you know, developing the feel for the water. So, yeah, I went back to my, you know, pre-teen years as a breaststroker. Let's have a talk about some of the um, solo swims that you've done. And obviously in the Triple Crown you've done Manhattan and Catalina and the English Channel. I was interested to know which one of those you found your favourite. So which one worked the best for you and, and why? I have a clear favourite and that was Manhattan. Everything worked on the day. I was fit. I was strong. The support crew that I had were amazing. Everything just came together. It's the, I actually believe it's the only swim I've ever done. Everything came together on the day. Out of I've probably done over 50 marathons and to me that's the only one that's come together on the day. I was... 
second female, fourth overall. Uh, had an amazing swim. I loved swimming around the island of Manhattan. This is pre-9-11 too, by the way. 9-11 hadn't happened. So you can see those twin towers for a lot of the swim. And it was just, I just loved it. I just loved the fact that you had something to look at the whole way, whereas channel crossings, you got nothing. You got a boat and water and, you know, there's pretty much nothing to look at. But Manhattan, there's something to look at the whole way. You knew where you were. There's 19 bridges that you have to swim under. You could count them off. Um, yeah, Manhattan by far, for me, is my favourite. But because it was so good and because everything just came together on the day, I decided after I finished I would never do it again because I could never get it that good again. So, yeah, that's probably, you know, <laughs> not how you're meant to think of things. You're meant to sort of, when you do your favourite, you should keep doing it. But I just decided that I could never get those conditions again. I could never get a swim, that swim, where everything came together. So I just left it. I was happy. Yeah, that's that's really nice. With, with the um, support support crew that you had, were they people that you found over in America or did you take people over with you? How did that work? No, at that time, it's, this is 2000, so 23 years ago, they provided uh, support crew because it was, it was almost an invitational swim back then and they provided the support crew. So um, I hadn't even met them the, beforehand. I, I didn't even... The skipper of the boat, because you had to have a boat as well as a paddler. The skipper, I, I never met. <laughs> my 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 family that came with me, they they got on on the boat at you know wherever it was. They got on the boat. They spent the the swim on the boat. George was his name, George Chofos, I think his name was, and I never actually met him. So they dropped my my family off after I'd finished, and then he went off and. I don't know, went home or whatever it was. I never actually met him. I mean, I sent him a letter and thanked him and sent him a letter. That shows you how long ago it was. Um, but, yeah, my paddlers uh, were just amazing. They were so committed that they went around the week before on the same tide to find the best way around the island. So they were that committed to to me and my, my swim. You know, people, they didn't know. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. And yet they were that committed that they tried to do the best job they could do and did the homework so I could have the best swim I had. And, and you know, it's just amazing that people do that for, for people they've never even met. Swimming community is just amazing, the support that you can get from, from just left of centre, from people, from places that, you know, in the real world you just don't get that sort of help. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just fantastic the people that have helped me. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that really sounds like a great swim, the Manhattan swim. It is. It is. It's. It's. There's something to look at the whole way around. Like you've got, um, you know, the three um, rivers because you go down the East River, then into the Harlem. You have got your shanty towns and things like that down the Harlem, and and then down into the Hudson where it's just great big open river. I mean, it's it's a huge river. They when I was swimming there, they were actually filming some. Um, uh, you know, adventure film. I don't even know what it was. It was a James Bond or something. And you had helicopters flying under the bridges and you had all these fast boats going up and down the river. And, you know, it's just, it was just so much going on. It was just, um, yeah, it was alive. You know, it was, it was really good. The, the water condition, you know, the back then, I'm talking 23 years ago, I, th I think it's probably improved. But, you know, the water wasn't great quality. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stories about what's in <laughs> the waters around Manhattan. Yes. <laughs> and I got to admit to swimming into a few plastic bags and things, which, you know, made me jump every time I hit one. But, um, yeah, all those things aside, it was a great, well-run event and I great outcome for me. Loved it. And so that being your favourite, which of the Triple Crown ones didn't you enjoy as much? The English Channel was, I did that in 1995. So bear in mind, there's this naive, no idea person. This was, I'd done one solo to Rotnest, decided I liked it, did a double crossing to Rotnest, and then decided that I could do the English Channel on the back of that. <laughs> you know, I was so naive. 
Um, the I didn't know anything about proper training. I knew nothing about proper nutrition. I knew nothing about anything basically. I was I was you know, I can't believe looking back how naive I was, and, and everybody else was back then. Um, I decided that I needed to find out a little bit more about it. So back in those days, I don't know if you remember Des Renford. He was swimming the English Channel. So, you know, I phone him up. <laughs> somebody like me gets in touch with somebody like that and he put me in, you know, he he told me what to expect and he basically said to me, it's, it's just a swim. Don't think of it as anything else. It's just a swim. Yeah, it's a bit harder. It's a bit longer. It's a bit colder. But just go in there. It's a swim. And that's all it is. So, you know, he, he helped me um, get a handle on what I was doing. There is no way I knew what I was in for. <laughs> uh, the water was cold. It was rough. I didn't even understand, you know, the nuances. Like the skipper told me to go because you have to park off, you know, you, you, the, the boat stays offshore and you have to jump in the water, swim to shore, put your hands up and, you know, he tells you to go. Well, I'm on the boat messing around with my goggles and my cap and, and he's saying, go, you got to go, you got to go. And I sort of eventually jumped in and, and swam to shore and did everything that I was told to do. But I'd missed, I'd probably wasted about 20 minutes because I didn't realise how important it was. And that meant that when I swam across, I missed the Cape, Cape Renee by 400 metres because I spent all that time messing around at the start. So um, I just, I missed four, it, I was going to, touched the Cape in about nine hours, ended up taking me 12 and a half. So it took me that long by the time the current changed and took me up the up the, um, up the the channel. It took me that, that much longer to get in just because I was messing around and I just didn't understand. I didn't know how important it was to go when the skipper said to go. I just didn't understand it. I was naive, you know. And you've got to remember back then, the skipper was just doing it through um, his knowledge. We didn't have internet or we didn't have tide charts, you know, on the, on the internet. Everything was just his knowledge and his knowledge of when tides changed and what time to start. And, you know, you, you had to guess your swimming speed and and his knowledge would have been spot on if I'd have done the right thing. You live and learn. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a big three-hour difference. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a big, it is. But I, I just didn't understand. But, um, you know, I, I got it done. I can't say I was in any great shape to do it. I was not. I, I could have, you know, I should have, you know, trained a lot more. I should have done a lot more. You know, there's so many things I should have done that would have made the, the, the crossing easier. I found it hard. Um, I mean, I was the first swimmer of the season. I got the cold water, but that's just typical me. I always <laughs> try and go for something extreme. Um, but, yeah, it was all I, I mean, I, I, was, I was naive. And I've learned an awful lot since then in the, you know, 30-odd years that I've been doing it. Um I probably, if if I knew now what I knew, no, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have even been game to try. So what, what say, what three or four things did you learn from that swim that you were able to take forward into the rest of your marathon swims? Uh, nutrition. That you did better, nutrition. So what, yeah. what did you learn from that first one that you do differently now? I feed more often. We fed, well, fed. I had a drink every hour. But, I mean, back then we had coffee, tea. Sustigen, you know, it wasn't carbohydrate based. I knew nothing about loading, carbohydrate lo loading. Um, they didn't have sports drinks back then like they do now. So I would have had to have, I don't even know what was available back then, but there would have been something I could probably have used which would have been better. Um, so definitely nutrition. Nutrition is a big part of it. Uh, my stroke at that stage wasn't. I didn't have a coach. I didn't, I really, I basically, I didn't have a coach. So I just trained myself. I didn't have somebody to analyse my stroke. I didn't have, 
you know, either understood or, or could map out a training program for me. I just did what I what I actually did. Steve Monaghetti had a book out and it was called something like How to Train for a Marathon, Running Marathon. And I used his programs in that book and I divided everything by a quarter and that was what I used to... <laughs> to, to, to map out my training I mean it was just so there was no information there was no knowledge and I had I didn't have a coach so my stroke wasn't the best I wasn't strong um I certainly I didn't even use to bilateral breathe back then so you know, it was yeah um yeah there's that naive naivety again and probably the third thing was just well I guess I, I covered it before with stroke correction and specific training. I didn't have a coach. I'd every every now and then I'd jump in with the local kids and just do their, you know, smash up and down as much as you can and then hope that that related to swimming for 12 hours. So, <laughs> and it didn't. I can tell you now it didn't. It didn't matter how quick I swam 50 metres, wasn't going to make any difference over 12 hours. So they're the things. So it was the nutrition having a good stroke, having somebody look at my stroke, having a, having a good technique and um, proper training, good knowledgeable base for, for, for training for a 12-hour swim. So they're the three things. So I'm interested in finding out more about the proper training. How did you, you go about finding a coach or a squad that you could train with where you could get that kind of exposure to that specific type of training? I literally never did. I started after the English Channel because, I, I mean, I still love the experience. Don't get me wrong. I loved what I did and I loved the challenge. The challenge aspect, I think, is really something that that um, just really sat with me. So I loved the challenge. I loved the idea that I went somewhere and did something that I didn't really even believe I could do. I just went there to see if I could, you know, with no intention of getting out. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't going to not make it. But I loved that side of things and um, I wanted to do more. I'd done Rottnest. I'd done, you know, what was it, three crossings of Rottnest by then. And I just wanted to keep going. I wanted to do more, wanted to see what I could do, wanted to see what I could achieve because I didn't know. I joined the local swimming squad, which was just the kids. And, I mean, they had national swimmers and you know, they had good level swimmers, but it, it still wasn't specific to what I wanted so I used to do the squad training with the kids I mean I'm 30 you know by then I'm 30 and the kids were you know 15 they're half my age back then so I used to do the squad training with the kids and then I'd do extra training on top of it so say they were doing 20ks a week I'd go out and do an extra 10 at the beach up the river you know whatever wherever I could go by myself I was pretty much nearly always by myself <laughs> and you know I, I literally I never did get a coach I never had a coach that knew uh you know the open water the marathon swimming aspect I mean they were very supportive and everything but they didn't know so that's why I started looking into it myself because there was no way um, I could say, I mean, I at this stage, I was living in Bunbury. So that's a couple hundred k's south of Perth. There was one pool. You know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to go somewhere else, to learn from somewhere else. So that's why I started um, networking, uh, you know, listening, talking to other people, see what other people did, how other people trained, try and get a few ideas what, what I could do, what could work for me. It was all, everything I was doing was, based on my, you know, how I could improve, how I could get better. But then, you know, along the journey, people came along with me. So I started getting more people that wanted to do Rottnest. So they'd come along with me and they'd join my journey. So I, you know, I've, that's sort of how I, I developed, I guess. I learned because I wanted it for me. I wanted to understand how to do it myself. But people joined my journey and they still do you know that that's I've I've trained uh I don't even know I've not done figures but I've trained probably a hundred 
Rottnest swimmers. I've trained uh, English Channel swimmers now. I've trained oh English Channel team. I've trained, yeah, you know, untold people now. Um, but I just see that they're joining my journey, even though I've got the knowledge and I'm coaching them. We're part of each other's journey because I love what they do and I want to get them to do things because I can't do these things anymore. So I want them to do things that I can't do. So I've got somebody doing Derwent solo next year and I've got somebody doing the 25K port to pub and, you know, these things I can't do. Um, they're doing them for me now. So they've joined my journey and they've gone beyond what I I can now do, which I think is great. I want them to do things that I can't do. I want them to, I want them to enjoy and love being out there. And I think that's what I that's what I give. I give I give them that that enjoyment and that love of, of wanting to do things and wanting to be different and wanting to uh yeah, excel, excel within themselves. I think that's great that you're sharing all that knowledge that you've learnt through sort of doing the hard yards before the internet and before we had GPS trackers so that, you know, so many people that I know go into the English channel and you've got, you can track their little dots the whole way through. But as you say, back, back when you did it, that wasn't available. So to have all that knowledge that you're imparting to these swimmers is amazing. And open water swimming has exploded, particularly in Australia since COVID when we couldn't get into pools. So what are the numbers in your open water squad? Like how many do you have? It's still not huge. I mean, I now train at Mandra. We're, we're an hour south of Perth. We've got still only got one pool in the region. Um, so, I mean, I'm still restricted by the population size that I'm, I'm a part of. But I probably have 30, 40, 50 people on my books. Um, they don't all come to every session because I run a number of different sessions during the week. And, I, I mean, I even do a, what I call back to basics. So people who used to swim who maybe want to learn to swim properly, they don't have confidence, whatever. You know, I, I've got sessions for people like that as well because I just want them to love swimming like I do. I want everyone to love swimming like I do. And if I can help somebody to go from not confident to doing something like the bustle and jetty swim because that's that's a big highlight for over here for for wa and you know i've had people that literally can't swim to finishing a bustle and jetty swim you know it's a 3.6 kilometer swim straight out and straight back so you're a long way offshore and i've had people that had no confidence in the open water and they, they're finishing something like that and i think that that is just amazing that that, that people can put their trust in me to come on this journey and it doesn't matter where they start from. It's it's great that they can come on this journey. Um, I just get I just get excited by what other people are doing. Uh, you know, I still do these things, but I get si excited about other people coming on this journey and from nothing. Sometimes they they're coming from, you know, okay, they you know learned how to not drown to swimming around the Bustle and Jetty or going a, a team to Rock Nest. You know, they pr probably could never do it themselves, but they're joining a team just went to Rottnest, you know, across the channel, you know, because apparently we've got sharks out there and rough water and, and you know, they're, yeah, they're excited for, for their journey, which, you know, that is the most exciting thing I can give people. Um, I, like I say, the population that I can draw from here isn't huge. So I'm always going to be restricted by by the size. But I, you know, yeah, I just try and take anyone on and 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 give them my 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 love of swimming, my love of the water. And yeah, yeah, they I think they get motivated. I I'm sure they do. I can just tell by talking to you how much passion you've got for open water swimming. That um that Bustleton jetty swim I haven't done that but I'd like to have a go. Is that a is that a two k um, pier jetty that goes out? Yeah, one point yeah. eight. One point yeah, eight so straight you just out. Swim, you just swim around out around and back, yep. do you? Yeah, right. One point eight kilometers out, round one point eight kilometers back. Wow. It's the only swim that that I know of that were that I've 
ever done that I even know of, that you swim straight out for nearly 2Ks. You're, str- yeah. you're nearly 2Ks offshore. It's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you turn around and come back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. I've actually I've done the um Bondi to Bronte one, and that felt like a long way out because you've got to swim right out past Bondi, past those rocks, and then right sort of further out, and then back into Bronte, and that felt like I think that was about two point two or something, but that felt like a long way out to sea. <laughs> yeah, and you're pretty aware of being out that far. You are, aren't you? <laughs> You yeah. are pretty aware of it. <laughs> yeah. But the Basalton Jetty Swim is is one that we target as a squad. I, I try and get everybody, because they have different things. They have one where you can walk out of the jetty and just swim back. So they've got that. They've got the swim around the jetty, which is the main swim. Um, and you can also do it in a team. So there are introductions to doing it. So I try as a, as a squad. I target that one because it is just so satisfying. You stand on the shore and you can see this jetty, and it's almost one uh, two kilometers out, and it's just blows people's minds that they can do it. And you know, I get them to look at it when they've finished it, and I get them to go back and have a look at it and go, "Look what you did! Look how far you went!" And it just blows their mind. It's, it's you know, it's great to see people who some of them are, you know, older. You know, I have some swimmers that are, they don't start swimming until their 50s. And, you know, then they go and do something like that in their late 60s or something. And it's pretty exciting that they are, they're doing things that, you know, they never, ever dreamed would be, they would be able to do. And I think that's, that's, that's amazing. The courage that they take, they have is amazing. And being in Western Australia, which is very well known for for sharks in the water, have you ever come across one in any of your swims? Yeah. Um, when In the early days when I did Rot Nest, I used to be up the pointy end and there was a shark every year at AK and we used to call him George. And all the pointy end swimmers saw George. Um, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he went. But for about probably the first, I don't know, five or six years, George was at about the 8K mark. And he'd start, he'd, he'd, he'd come and in, introduce himself to all the pointy end swimmers. So, <laughs> so there was that. So, how, cl- how, close, how close was that introduction? Uh, well, one time I, I, I felt like I could put my hand out and touch him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He was. He came up from underneath, from behind, swam underneath me, like right there. I could see his mouth. I could see everything. Oh, um, how terrifying! He swam with me for quite a few strokes, and then he just drifted off, and I didn't see him again. But you know, look, it's a little disconcerting. A little. Oh my god! <laughs> the funny thing is, I used to have my mum come on my boat. My, yeah, she she was always uh, part of my support crew because mum loved to be involved in these things, and I always said to her, "It's it's really good having you on there because your shark watch her job was shark watch." Because I always said, "You've got a vested interest." So, true. <laughs> she was on the boat. She was shark watch, and after that experience, I sort of you know was told them that you know there was a shark right there. Mum's mum's going, she's she's sort of looking out to sea, going where, and I'm like underneath me <laughs> mum you failed she was looking for the fin above the water <laughs> not underneath me you failed mum oh, dear. <laughs> oh, we don't want to put all those people off that are listening there's not there's not no too many shark oh look george hasn't been around for for quite an probably the last 25 years so i don't know what happened to george i don't know if he outgrew where he was living or I mean, I don't even know what sort of shark he was. I, I, I don't know my sharks that well. I don't really want to study them. So, um, yeah, he hasn't been there for a long, long time. So, and we don't see them much anymore. They have helicopters and shark trackers and all sorts of things these days, which they never used to have. I mean, we didn't used to have helicopters. We didn't even. I mean, even that experience with when he came and saw me, I was that close. I still didn't think to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from my boat, I didn't think to tell anyone 
and and that's how it was back then. You just you just didn't have because of the social networking. People are more inclined to tell people of pretty much anything that happens. Whereas back then it was like, oh, there's a shark. Oh yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's just it's just a different different it's way different, different way of seeing seeing things. Yeah, For sure. You mentioned that one of your swimmers was going to do a, a solo derwent river swim. What kind of training do you, is it a, a him or a her? Uh, look, I had somebody, the reason I was in Tassie just gone was because I had a swimmer that was going to do the derwent. Um, but unfortunately, two days out, he got COVID. So oh, he couldn't yeah. couldn't do it. So, um, okay. yeah. He, he wasn't well enough to do it. Um, but, yeah, just lots and lots of, of pull work, okay, so come along to the squad, get get your speed up because you want to go fast. You want to do the distance as fast as you can. So you need to do work with effort because I work in in, um, in bands, in, in, you know, your, your effort levels. So... If you want to be as fast as you can be, you need to be able to train at your 80% max. And you need to do a lot of training in that, that zone. But if you want to do something like Derwent, you also need to go out and do long swims at 60% because that's probably what you're going to be swimming at. So I want, like Steve, that was um, just wasn't able to do it, he got... You know, 15K swims at 60% effort, easy, you know, and that's what we want to be. That's how we want to be. We want to be able to get what nutrition is right for you at the intervals that's right for you because he was a 20-minute interval and not everybody's going to be 20 minutes. Some can be half an hour. I don't like more than that, but get the intervals that's right for you, get the nutrition that's right for you and go and test it. Then go and test it again. Then... You know, see, just get comfortable doing a 15K swim and try your nutrition. Make sure it's right. Get out there in the open water. Get out there in the salt. Make sure everything, because everything tastes different, salt, fresh water, you know, foods and, and, and what you eat and what you, your, your nutrition is different depending on the conditions you're swimming in. If it's cold, you need different food. If it's hot, you need different, you know, liquids, fluids. Um, and what I just get them to do is do that training, a lot of training, 80% max in the pool. Then on weekends when you've got the time, go out and do 15K swims and then go and back it up the next day with a 10K swim. You know, 60%, if you're working at 60% of your max, you should be able to do it again the next day once you've got to, you know, a certain fitness level, certain strength level, you should be able to go out and do that again the next day without too much um, aches, pains, you know, and that's the sort of thing that I try and do. Yeah, and what kind of sets would he be doing in, in the pool? It's the same as because luckily, I mean, this time of year I've got people that are swimming right nest and things as well. So, you know, we, re we, we have people that we can swim with and, and, and um, I try and do because we've only got 25-metre pool too. So there's there's another... I don't like doing more than 400 metres in a 25-metre pool because you just, you go around the bend. There's <laughs> too many turns. So I I do a lot of, I do a lot of um, ascending sets. So starting, say, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, something like that, maybe do that twice. I like ascending because I like it to get harder the further you go. Descending sets where you get shorter, I find easier. So we'll do some of them sometimes, but I like to make it hard. So even if we did something like 15-200s, say we do the first five at oh, something that would equate to 20 seconds rest, then we do the next five at something that would equate to 15 seconds rest, we do the last five at whatever is 10 seconds rest, like say a 320 or 330, whatever, so you're about 10 seconds rest for that last lot. So the further we go the harder you have to work. So that's the sort of stuff I like to do. I do a lot of technique work as well on top of that because technique is so important. Technique, good technique, 
when you're a, a distance swimmer is it's imperative. It's so important so you don't end up like me. <laughs> I use me as an example. Don't be like me. <laughs> Protect those shoulders. Protect That's those it. shoulders, yeah. <laughs> and I like people to do a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but two sessions in the gym just to get the activations right, get the strength right. Um, so I don't run the gym sessions, but one of my squad members is a PT. So she runs a couple of gym sessions for everyone as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, over summer, that's quite a bit of training for everyone. Um, but, you know, we have results. People love it. People want more. <laughs> you know, I'm always getting getting a bit of pressure. Can we do another session? Can we do this? Can we do that? I'm like, you know, we're all adults. We've all got pressures outside of swimming. We're not kids whose mum takes us to swimming, who when we get home, dinner's on the table. You know, we've all got pressures. We have to work. We have families. We have kids. Some have got, you know, little kids. And you have to have swimming as part of that. It can't be all of that. If it becomes all of that, it's it's too much. So I try and use it as a as a as a part of a part of everyone's life. Um, and if it starts getting too much, I'll tell people to pull back because they still got to be a wife, a husband, a you know a, a, a son, a daughter, a friend, a mum, a dad. You know they still got to be all of those things as well as be a swimmer, even if they want to do open water swimming, even if they want to do Derwins, marathons, you know, they still have to be all of those things and they all have to find a place. Yeah, good advice. I like that. Everyone that comes on the podcast, I always ask them a few of their little favourite things about swimming. So I'm going to ask you some about open water. What is your favourite beach to swim at? I swim every Saturday, summer and winter, in Mandra at a place called Horsehead Beach or locally known as Dotties. I won't say it's my favourite beach, but I started the squad down there maybe 20 years ago. I can't even remember. And the reason I started there was because they had a coffee shop. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole reason I started there. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> What's your favourite food to eat during one of your marathon swims? Tin peaches. Oh, oh I haven't had that one before. Okay. Absolutely love tin peaches, especially in salt water. It's just you you take a mouthful, you put the peaches in each side of your cheeks like a squirrel, you swim off and you squeeze the peaches into your mouth. And the mouthfeel is just amazing. It gets rid of all that salt and it's just the most amazing feel. It's it's yeah, it's something to to really experience. If you've never done it. Go and do it. <laughs> and what's your best advice to stop chafing in um, open water swimming? Technique. I think the better your technique, the less you're going to chafe. I use body glide. Um, when I was swimming, you know, when I was doing my main main swimming um, before I got injured, I never chafed. I didn't have to use anything. Um, but just as a precaution, I use body glide. And body glide is a silicon based, it's not petroleum based, so it doesn't wreck your bathers. And it stays on, I find it stays on longer than Vaseline. And it also comes in a little tube. So if you're in the middle of a channel and you need to reapply, it's just like a deodorant stick. You, you, you can um, screw it out, apply it, put it back. So it's not like Vaseline. If you yeah. use your hands, you get it all over your hands then it sort of, you know, magically appears on your goggles. It's um, body glide. It, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, good one. What's your favourite freestyle drill? Unco drill. I, I assume you all know unco drill. Maybe explain it for those people who don't. Okay. You've got one arm by your side and you stroke with one arm. You breathe away from that stroking arm. And how I explain it, as on your recovery, you enter at your shoulder or just outside your shoulder, you extend forward and you rotate your hips. When you're on your side, you take your breath and as you 
rotate back, you use the power of your hips in conjunction with the power of your catch. So hip and hand together to rotate back the other side. And you can do, you know, one side, one, you know, going up one side, coming back the other, or another variation is three, one side, three, the other. And I like the three and three because you can find, because we've all got a dominant side and we all rotate really well to to a good, to one side and not so well on the other. So if we do a three to three, three variation, we can do three strokes with our dominant side that feels good and we can rotate well and we get the hip and hand um, coordination and we can feel what that's like. And then we can go straight into our less dominant side and try and mirror that. So that's by far my favourite stroke, my, my favourite drill. Yeah, love it. that's a good one. Yeah. I always struggle on my left-hand side, always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do too. Right hand's brilliant, left hand, even that's my, my um, replaced shoulder. But right. even before that, it wasn't my good side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how about your favourite freestyle training set? Like I said before, one, two, three, four, five back down one two three four five and variations of that so I like descending sets I, I love descending or ascending sets sorry and when I do it myself I try and do it on a time so each one I only get 10 seconds rest so it gets harder so I do a say a oh I'm showing you how slow I am now <laughs> so I'll do a hundred on say a so 145 so I get 10 seconds rest and so like I'll do a 200, I try and do it on the same swim time but only 10 seconds rest. So it just, as you go along, it, it you're working hard because you're working for longer but you're still only getting the short rest. And, yeah, I, I just I like that one. It's my favourite. Very nice. Okay, well, Barbara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been lovely connecting with you and hearing all about your marathon swimming and Best of luck for all your swimmers coming up with their solo swims. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Danielle. It's been fun talking to you. It's, it's my favourite subject. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk swimming all day. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay, well, take care. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. There you go, Barbara. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Barbara today and that it's inspired you to explore some more swims in the great outdoors. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.